Welcome to Dundare Call It Ordinary, a podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the growing forest and the globular Brent. Oh, and apparently Griffin. Growing that I might have empirical evidence to the contrary of that, because once I went to the doctor and I thought I was 5'11", and the doctor told me I'm 5'10". So in fact, the evidence shows I am not growing, and your adjective mongering is sad. Well, you were (laughs) growing, and now you're contracting so you there's a we need a pulsating model of your height. You get you know, you grow and then so you grow right. and contract and over and over again. This is all fitting very well into t- today's episode, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. But we'll get to that. Yes. And what was mine? Global? More like globalist. Huh? <laughs> oh, uh, oh, and hey, guess what? What? It's um. Well, it's a holiday again. We're recording. Oh, that's right. On Mother's Day. Oh, happy so Mother's tell Day. Every, all you listeners out there. Yeah. Tell your mother you love her and also tell her to listen to this podcast. If she knows what's good. for. Yeah, her. exactly. So bit of a threat. But yeah. And mom, if you're out there several months uh, after we record this and you're listening. Hi, mom. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> My mom is a listener to the podcast. A big fan. Nice. Super fan. Good. even, And. On this Mother's Day, we have a very big announcement. We are now on Patreon. Can you believe it? We can now take your patronage to the next level. So if you go to patreon.com slash none dare call it ordinary, you'll find our Patreon page and you'll find all the goals and all the the tiers that you can achieve. And we've got a few that are pretty, pretty good. But really, $1 a month, become an initiate of the Ordinarium, and we would be incredibly grateful. And our first goal is actually to make the podcast cost neutral. So in doing the podcast, it's not free for us. We have to pay for website hosting, pay for podcast hosting, all that kind of stuff. And so our first goal for the Patreon is just to get us to be cost neutral. So become a $1 patron and you will get us to that level and we will be so excited to be there. And lastly, as always, if you could please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are served. And with that, what are we talking about today, Dylan? Well, Brent, I'm glad you asked and Forrest was right that the adjectives I chose were chosen for this episode in mind. Mm. Today we are talking about the hypothesis of the expanding Earth, believe it or not, and I think we all lean towards the not, (laughs) the Earth is in fact expanding. It's getting bigger. It's hard to believe, but it might be true. And when I say it might be true, it's not true. (laughs) So let's take the way, way back machine to the beginnings of geology, the early days of geology around the 19th century. And before we talk about the Earth getting bigger, We have to talk about it getting smaller because it turns out that from the 1860s to the early 20th century, the dominant geological view was that the Earth was actually contracting, was actually getting smaller. Ooh, you know what? Right off the bat here, I see for us another way for us to make some cash on this idea. We need Mm. to sell this as a diet. You've heard of the paleo diet, but this is the contracting earth diet. Get thin like our planet once did. Oh, I like that. I like that idea. Just all you have to do, it's pretty easy to follow. 
first you just have to acquire the mass of the earth of the earth yeah. and then yeah. you'll naturally start working your way to being skinnier again yeah i'm not I sure would, how it's gonna to, work in order to reach in order to reach that level i would suggest the dunkin donuts diet <laughs> yes and that will that yes. will get you there quick yeah, and then you'll it's then, it's like a you'll collapse like a dying star basically. You just have to acquire <laughs> enough mass to get the nuclear, you know, reaction going and then you just <laughs> bloop, and you just suck right in. We call it the cosmological cleanse, if you will. <laughs> All right, so Earth's getting smaller. How does that work? The dominant theory was that as the molten center of the Earth cooled, the molten portion got denser and thus the Earth got smaller along with it. It was thought to provide an explanation for why there are mountains. Think about a grape drying into a raisin. Ah. As it contracts, the ridges appear, and the earth is oh. exactly the same way as a raisin. And that's <laughs> where the mountains come from. Yeah. So yeah. the earth used to be smoothish, it contracts, and that's where you get the bigger mountains there. Yeah, it's like because the earth gets older, it gets more wrinkly. Yeah, exactly. Sense. Just basic geology, really. So this view was so ingrained at the time that what was called mobilism which is the view that would turn out to be true, was considered, quote, barely scientific. And mobilism is the view that the continents move relative to each other. Instead, geologists, what were known as fixists, it was the view that the continents didn't move relative to each other. Right. They just had to get their fix in continental fixation. These guys. Mm, yeah. Wow. Boy. Also, I'm guessing old school geologists were just a bunch of Michael Cohen's then, right? <laughs> Oh, oh, wait, you said fixus. I thought you meant fixer. Sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> Wrong term. Well, as we're going to learn, the status quo of geology today might be a bunch of Michael Cohen's, if you know what I mean. You know, kind of oh, keeping oh, things oh, on the down low. Oh, yeah, oh. it's going uh, to. Uh. Further, continental drift was considered marginal and barely discussed. Geologists at the time didn't believe continents moved side to side, but rather up and down only. Mm. So it was getting bigger or smaller. But not side to side. No, the continents no. weren't moving around. That's yeah, something ridiculous. It was Alfred Wegener, a German meteorologist who came up with a theory of plate tectonics well before it was accepted by the scientific community. In fact, Wegener was looked down upon because he wasn't a geologist, but a meteorologist. Oh, so As yeah, if. I guess I should stop giving so much shit to all those meteorologists out there. They're saying climate change is fake. I guess they're all right. Yeah, yeah, this was if I was a climate change Less denier, I would just point to Wegener like, see, yeah. the meteorologists were right before. <laughs> Anywho, Wegener pulled from several sources of data to support his hypothesis. This is from the Essentials of Geology textbook. Quote, they were one, the correlation of coastlines, two, the distribution of late Paleozoic glaciers, three, the distribution of late Paleozoic equatorial climatic belts, four, the distribution of fossil species, and five, the matchup of distinctive rock assemblages that are now on opposite sides of the ocean were adjacent on Pangaea. Hmm. So yeah, so we got to deal with all this evidence, yeah. Pff, whatever. And I think Brent has more to say about that stuff. The problem was that there wasn't a lot of empirical evidence for geologists to rely on. Thus, all of their theories were basically speculation. Okay, guys, I'm going to zaz this for a second. Ooh, nice. Therefore, geology is all just bullshit, and we should throw it completely out the window. Exactly. It's just do. geology should just concern itself with the conduct of the planet. <laughs> Nothing else. We can make one of those documentaries. <laughs> Geologists admit that their theories were speculative. <laughs> <laughs> it took this geologist 20 years to answer the question. <laughs> 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 Okay, 
So this began to change in the early 20th century and didn't look good for the contracting Earth. Oh man, no one cares about little old Earth. That sucks. Yeah, it is sad. So that sucks. So first, radioactivity was discovered, as well as the radioactive decay generated heat inside the planet. This suggested that the Earth was cooling at a much slower rate than previously thought. Thus, the Earth was not contracting at all, or not quickly enough to explain mountains and other tectonic formations. Yeah, because if I understand correctly, the old idea was that basically the Earth started really hot. Right. And it's losing heat in the same way that your hot frying pan, eventually, after you take it off the stove, it loses heat over time. But because the heat loss was due to kind of the radioactivity, the heat loss was much, much slower. Right. It wasn't just a super hot thing that's becoming cooler. Right. That's what um, it has to do off. with the radioactivity. Exactly. So they had to change this. Yes, exactly. Okay. So we had these 19th century, 20th century scientists. They thought the earth was getting smaller. Turns out it's not. What now? What do we do? What did they do? It turns out there were all sorts of new views once contracting earth fell out of favor. One of them being the expanding Earth model that we're going to talk about uh, in this episode. There was also a pulsating Earth model where it got bigger and smaller, bigger and smaller. And then there were fixist, mobilist hybrids. Wait, Dylan, isn't that what results when a mobilist is taken by a UFO and impregnated by a fixist? (laughs) I think so. I think so. Um, Yeah, the uh, continents are actually motherships and they, you know, beam people up. Yeah. Most geologists, however, still wanted to keep their fixism. Because geologists are stubborn as a rock. Oh, oh, Lordy B. Needed needed to be said. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Very witty. (laughs) Brent, all I can say is your humor is stuck in the Stone Age. (laughs) Geology jokes aplenty. But now, enough of the humor, enough of the funny stuff. We got to get serious and talk about expanding earth so what is going on like ideas about continental drift expansionism didn't really pick up steam until the 20th century in 1956 laszlo egged professor at the geophysical institute of the eodivas university in budapest theorized that the earth was expanding due to variations of sea levels in the geological past he thought that the continents of his time were the remnants of an ancient continental crust of a much smaller planet, which were surrounded by rocks that were much younger and generated along mid-oceanic ridge fractures. Egghead hypothesized that this increase in planetary volume could be caused by mineral phases in the Earth's interior. When minerals are exposed to heat and pressure, their crystal structure changes. Okay, you know how we um, learned to really harness the power of crystals in our past you know, series that you must build a crystal grid. But what if the true massive crystal grid is just being formed, not by us, but by Mother Earth? She's building one in the core of her being and she's expanding out from it. It's just, that was something I learned in geology. That makes sense. Yeah, you'll you'll never have to go to a new age store again. The crystal grid is under your feet. You just have to access it. get to the core of the earth. Yeah, exactly. Mother Earth is just waiting for us to configure it in the crystal grid and we got to power our intention into them. Like you said, it's under your feet. I don't know if you guys have heard of this thing called earthing, but you're supposed to just walk barefoot on Mother Earth and it feeds you energy or something and it's supposed to heal your cancer also. Might be something we can cover later. Yeah, this provides a theoretical explanation for that. It's all about those the healing crystals. Oh, finally, we understand why earthing works. Yeah, it can't penetrate shoes. Got to make sure you're barefoot. In 1966, German physicist Pasquale Jordan posited that the expanding Earth was, quote, 
imputable to the general dilation of the space-time continuum. Ooh, you know, we have to take this guy seriously because Pasquale Jordan was the Michael Jordan of Earth expander German physicist. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. he was indeed, although one of those. I think he might have had his title usurped by a more recent scientist that we will talk about later in this episode. <laughs> Quote-unquote scientist. <laughs> One of the main theoretical benefits of expansionism was that it could explain continental drift within a fixist framework. Think about attaching paper continents to a balloon. When you inflate the balloon, the paper continents will be further apart, but not because they've moved along the surface of the balloon, but because the balloon itself has gotten bigger. Ah, also, the balloon is filled with basically nothing but air, so this analogy could also work for hollow earth proponents. Oh, exactly, nice. exactly, yeah. yeah. Unless we're inside the hollow earth. Can you be a flat earther and an expanding earther, I wonder? I would love to see debates I think, between I that. I think it would depend on a lot of things. So I know a lot, there are flat earthers who think that the flat earth is surrounded by Antarctica. So yeah. basically Antarctica surrounds. And some right. of them think there could be an infinite, like it goes infinitely in all directions. <laughs> and <laughs> so you can't, it's hard to get much bigger than infinite. So you'd have to, You'd have to go to like a higher cardinality of infinity, maybe for it to grow. I don't know. Nice. That's some hard math, but it's going to be hard on. It's going to depend on your model. I'm going to say you have to really be an expert flat earther to really dig into those kinds of debates. I was going to say, I would think that the Arctic ice sheet would just crack and you'd have a bunch of gaps. Yeah, that's what I would think. Just, that's my. Oh, opinion. that's a good point. Yeah. Count the gaps. Go to the count the gaps in the Arctic ice sheet. And that's how we'll know. Yep. Yes. They match up. All right. So the Earth is getting bigger, which implies that one time it was smaller. So what did the Earth used to look like? According to the expansionists, millions of years ago, the Earth was about 60% of its current size. <sighs> to be that young again and be 60% of my hey, current hey, size. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. We do not need to be geological ageists, okay? The Earth <laughs> is fine the age that it is. That's true. At this time, there were no oceans or any water on the planet. In fact, there weren't even places for oceans to be. What? What, what was the moon during all this? I want to know. Mm. A, a better question, Brent. Who put the moon where? Oh. 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 <laughs> that is even deeper. I don't know. The moon may or may not be expanding too, but we'll have to get to that later. Ooh. As the Earth expanded, this giant landmass that covered the planet cracked. The Bible Belt had to add a few more notches at the time to accommodate, but even though it didn't <laughs> yeah. exist. As the Earth expanded more and more, these cracks became larger and larger, allowing room for oceans to appear. And the ancient lost city of Atlantis to finally rise again. Oh. Exactly. It was buried in there somewhere. I mean, that really makes sense given the internal crystal grid theory that we're developing oh, because I bet Atlantis was really tapped into that ancient source of wisdom. Yep. And then we can all sing Donovan songs. It's true. <laughs> Way down below the expanding earth. That's where I want to be. <laughs> so what what were the benefits of the expanding earth model? Yeah, what did we get out of this? So one problem is that we have this idea of continental drift. And one issue with it is that the continents don't actually perfectly fit into each other like puzzle pieces. What? That's right, because erosion is a myth. Yes, but exactly. Ahead of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I this was actually something I genuinely didn't understand. The criticism is why would we expect them to fit perfectly? Maybe they thought that erosion alone couldn't make up the difference to be charitable to them. I didn't really. Well, you know fully what? Get this. I expect them to fit perfectly, and by perfectly, I mean absolute perfection. If you fit all the continents together, 
and they all fit perfectly, except one atom is missing. That would not be good enough for me. That's I would right. be. Wow. You're a purist. Yeah. I, I cannot accept nothing. anything less than that. <laughs> you are perfectionist. Perfectionist. Absolutely. I, I know I'm getting ahead of the outline here, but Neil Adams, who we'll talk about later, um, he he has on his he has a video out there where he says that there's there's some erosion, but it, it alone cannot account for the continental pieces. So he does admit that there is erosion. And he's an expert, as we'll get to later, too. So he would know. Yes. We'll get to most that. cartoonists are experts. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. But anyway, I also want to say, too, there is a good YouTube video. Um, Potholder 54 out there uh, that debunks Neil Adams. Great name. Uh, that de- that debunks Neil Adams video with the moving graphics that he shows and the Earth's continents fitting nice and neatly and the Earth. And he actually uses his video while Adams claims in the video, quote, no twisting, no form fitting, as you see here. And then, of course, you see it and the Al- Alaska's being like smashed up in there. It's like, wait a minute. Like, that doesn't fit at all. <laughs> so even that doesn't <laughs> oh, work. Or Alaska. So that sucks. <laughs> It kind of reminds me of in ancient aliens at one time, one of the guys was like, like these rocks were cut with perfect 90 degree angles. And he's like, has a ruler, like trying to show the 90 degree angle cut. And it's not a 90 degree angle at all. <laughs> yeah, like you because can see it, it. he's got he's got the L shaped ruler. Yeah, the L shaped ruler. If yeah. it was and he and it's like wiggling he's like wiggling it yeah. up and down so it's clearly not <laughs> it's perfect it's yeah, perfect it just kind of blur your eyes like a magic picture they just you'll know, see it yeah it's like it's 90 degrees maybe don't show that part on the video <laughs> you know just hold the, it up the video editor the, the video editor didn't know what a 90 degree angle was they just immediately <laughs> saying it is it must be or maybe the video editor was a rogue anti-ancient alien agitator. It was like, I'm going to better. I'm going to show these guys what's up. <laughs> I also love when YouTubers or anyone really puts out great content, but they have like ridiculous names. Yeah. Like, here's some erudite analysis about geology from, you know, asshole slayer 92. <laughs> uh, it's a weird phenomenon and it happens more than you'd expect. I like asshole slayers video, though. So the continents don't fit together perfectly. So, well, what does expansion have to do with that? Well, it turns out if the Earth is 60% smaller, they do fit perfectly together, or at least so it is claimed. German geophysicist Ott Christoph Hilgenberg (laughs) demonstrated this in the 1930s with papier-mâché continents on a wooden globe. Samuel Warren Carey did the same thing with uh, logarithms. Didn't really, I couldn't get much more information than that. What did they use? Wooden Lincoln logarithms? Uh, no, they didn't, Brent. No, no Brent. They used paper mache and wood. Anyway, yeah. not on. everyone was impressed with these arguments. Powell Sudiro notes that, quote, the experimenters apparently failed to note that the process worked like a reversal of the contraction theory. Therefore, if the modern lithosphere had to adjust to a smaller Earth, This would not just decrease intercontinental distances, but also increase the deformation of the continents. And honestly, I didn't really understand this criticism. Do you wait before before Brent talks? Hold on. I am an artist, so I think I'm qualified (laughs) to answer this. Artist of the capital A. Actually, no, no, I'm not. My mistake. I am not qualified to answer this. I'm going to hand the mic over to Brent. (laughs) What? Oh, okay. You got the floor, Brent. Oh, shit, shit. Actually, yeah, I think he's just saying that if you imagine the Earth is all wrinkled up and smashed together while contracted and you start to expand it, sure, you increase the distances between the continents by doing this, but you also deform the shape of the actual continents themselves while you're doing it, is uh, what I think he's saying. But I, I, I'm not really sure okay. I understand that either completely. But that's kind of what I got out of that, yeah. Okay, 
Okay. The so-called environmental sense. scientist is not sure. <laughs> Which shows that his entire degree is a fraud. It took him 4.5 billion years to even (laughs) exist as a planet. One fun thing is now that we go into all the the benefits and explaining continental drift, it actually turns out that the biggest boosters of the continental drift theory, which is the true theory, were the expansionists. That's right. Oh. The fixus fixations would be their downfall. I heard yes, that cat. Yes, they would. And Lewis agrees. <laughs> Bishop like, yes. Lewis. I'm sorry. The planet is not 6,000 years old. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, he's trying to he's say never going to consecrate you now. Those Tuck bishops, man, they just don't know how to quit. The biggest problem facing the expanding Earth theory is really fourfold. There's four big questions. Yeah, but like how? <laughs> how is this happening? How is the Earth getting bigger? And this is really this is the really the biggest problem facing expansionism is figuring out how the hell the Earth gets bigger in the first place. Yeah. Well, I got an idea. Maybe the little Earth listened to Mother oh. Earth and ate its veggies. And circumstantial evidence for this claim can be found in the plethora of vegetation upon the earth. So I think oh, that makes sense. Yep. Growing, the it earth is growing its own sense. veggies. Yep, and then eating itself, yeah. which is disturbing. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it's like it's like growing like a, a mushroom colony on your side there, yeah. and then just eating just those, eating that up. Mm. <laughs> Walking mushroom garden gross. only in Denver. <laughs> anyway, pretty gross. <laughs> so one suggestion that I mentioned earlier was that the earth pulsates as it gets bigger, the oceans can form. And then as it shrinks, that's when the mountains form. Ooh, it's the earth as the heart of the Milky Way galaxy or just a hell of a slow dancer, I guess either way. Yeah, that's a slow, it's a slow, slow dancer. Another is in a way similar to the forest eating its veggies model. Oh, see (laughs) where the earth gets bigger by accumulating cosmic debris. In other words, the landfill hypothesis. That sounds more like the idiocracy version of expansionism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When there are so many French fries and burrito coverings being thrown away, (laughs) expansionism might turn out to be true at that point. (laughs) Yeah. And if the nonstop scourge of garbage avalanches count as part of the earth, (laughs) The Earth is going to be bigger than the known universe in just a few years if the current rate holds. I'm unfortunately exactly exactly. <laughs> That's Very if you're an expansionist. Instead of just waiting around for it to be true, you got to make it true. I that's yeah. That's what I have to say. I also can't wait until our actual garbage that's you know piling and piling on Earth actually meets up with our space garbage, and then that's just going to be garbage <laughs> everywhere. Really, the whole thing. <laughs> that's the key. Top that's how. That's how we'll be able to reach the space garbage. <laughs> we're it's even just running, bring enough garbage on here. We're even running out of room with the space around the Earth. Like, how sad is that? <laughs> oh, God. We're a horrible species. <laughs> there was also a fancy version of expansionism that had it that some chemical phase change was responsible. Just as water expands when it turns into ice, perhaps the same was happening in the molten core as it cooled down. Oh, yes. Iron, nickel, water. It's all the same stuff, really, pretty much. I feel I learned that from Paul Potter, wasn't it? In the UFO engineering book. Iron, chromium, nickel, (laughs) etc. Remember that? Yeah, it's all basically whatever. Yeah, etc. 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 So, you know, there's there are these difficulties with figuring out how the expanding Earth model is going to work. But there's an even bigger problem. Physics. No. Great. The biggest problem expansionists have to face is Newton's law of universal gravitation, which states that a planet's gravitational force is proportional to its mass. You know, if only that fucking douchebag Newton devoted (laughs) all his time 
to productive things like decoding the Bible and turning lead into gold, yes. we wouldn't have to deal with his dumbass physics and we could just create whatever <laughs> theory we want and roll yeah, we with it. we could build a UFO to too if you didn't have physics. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He could have been hunting counterfeiters, but yeah. instead, that oh, too. calculus, whatever. <laughs> Fucking nerd. Bastards. If the Earth doubled in size while its density remained constant, its mass would increase eight times and its surface gravity would double in strength. Ooh. We would all look like pancakes. Yep. What you know? One good thing though for you guys though would be no more sports if this are true. No one could jump. No balls could be thrown or kicked. So Thank that would be God. A, oh, not only that. Good thing. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have to hear about the fucking goddamn Golden Knights every fucking day. <laughs> oh man, there goes <laughs> our entire Vegas listener jerseys. fan base. <laughs> oh, it's all gone. Vegas listener fan base. No, nah, man, those assholes are too. B- they're just too busy watching the Golden Knights. They don't have time for anything else. <laughs> They're like out of the playoffs, but we're just watching old games over and over. Like, like guys, please. Anyway, assuming the expansionist claim that the Earth was 60% its current size, its gravitational force would be too weak to keep the moon in orbit and to maintain the Goldilocks zone necessary for life to form. Oh, there's the moon. Thank you. I was wondering where that went. Yeah, but, but yeah. yes, but Brent, but Brent, who put it there? Who? Mm, that I, question still lingers. God, I guess he was under pressure and was like, fuck it. We'll do it live. I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking <laughs> thing sucks. <laughs> uh, what a great boss to work for. <laughs> you know, you know, what was under pressure, though. The molten core of the Earth. Oh, oh, oh. pressure. <laughs> All right. So physics says no expanding Earth. So how did expansionists <laughs> handle this problem? Simple. They just denied Newton's law of universal gravitation. It's so simple. <laughs> smart move. Smart move. If P entails your view is false, you just deny <laughs> P. That's it. That's all <laughs> sciences. Perfect. Yeah. When in doubt, abandon all that we know to be true about how the universe works. It's a smart move. Exactly. I, I mean, look, guys, these asshole physicists can't even agree among themselves. Oh, Is God. it a particle? Is it a wave? Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. It's all fraud. So I think I'm going to join up with Scientology to create the physics and industry of death museum. I think that's the right. <laughs> move. It would be pretty easy. Just show it. would. It's just an hour of nuclear bombs going off. And then that's it. Your, yeah. your point is made. I, and it would be a perfectly valid point. Yep. Now, we might think it's a little silly to deny Newton's law of universal gravitation, but it is important to put this into co- into the historical context. And Rational Wiki has a great line about this physics-denying move, quote, an expanding Earth defied physics, but the geologists had been right and physics and chemistry wrong in the 19th century regarding yeah. the age of the Earth. And the geologists still had a great big smug on. That's <laughs> so, right. hey. They've been right before. Maybe they'll be right again. What a snob. And for context about this, physicists like Lord Kelvin and Hemholtz estimated the age of the sun to be between 50 and 500 million years old on the basis of the laws of thermodynamics and thought the Earth had a similar age. But geologists thought on the basis of radiometric dating that it was way older. The physicists were like, look at these cute little stamp collectors. But this time, the stamp collectors were right. Stamp collectors' lives matter. Yeah, exactly. And their thoughts matter, too. By the way, it turns out the Earth and Sun are roughly 4.5 billion years old, so way different than 500 million. All right, so we're going to exhaust this again. Throw physics out. We're done. Yeah, we're done with physics. We're idiots. You know, by the time we're done, we'll be done with everything, and we'll just have how we conduct ourselves. That's all it is. (laughs) Oh, there's one flaw? Done. <laughs> All right. So now we've got a little pressure off 
the expansionists to deny Ooh. physics. So let's see how they go about doing it. Some suggested that Newton's gravitational constant decreased over time as the planets increased in size. Thus, the surface gravity would remain constant. Now, this idea actually isn't totally alien to physics. Paul Dirac, one of the most important physicists of the 20th century, proposed that the universal gravitational constant changed over time and that new matter was created. But others simply gave up on the project of explaining why the Earth increased in size or how it was compatible with physics. They left that problem to the physicists themselves. Yeah, exactly. Let those assholes sort it out. You don't have the time for that. Exactly. Geologists have too much stamp collecting to do to yes. worry about all this baloney. <laughs> as recently as 1984, Warren Carey, an expanding Earth proponent, was featured in a New Scientist article titled, The Earth is Expanding and We Don't Know Why. Carey admitted that it was not compatible with contemporary physics and hoped for a day when a new scientific discovery would make them compatible. Yes, the grand unified theory is really about uniting modern physics and the expanding Earth theory. That's the true yep, yep. thing we need oh, to bridge. Yeah. yeah, But now there's an even bigger, biggest problem. Mm. Some seafloor shenanigans. The seafloor shuffle. Yep, yep, yep. A lot of dancing metaphors in this episode. Yeah. We got a dancing earth. Seafloor shuffle. Seafloor shuffle. Sea shuffle. Exactly. So one benefit of expansionism is that it explains why the seafloor is so much younger than the continents. While parts of the continents are 3.8 billion years old, the seafloor is only 200 million years old. That means that somehow 70% of the planet's crust did not exist when the Earth was formed. Yeah, aliens brought crust to our planets. Duh, they just brought it to us. Exactly, exactly. Could it be the ancient aliens wanted to enlighten humanity and go for a quick swim? <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm only saying there's no other explanation. There's no other explanation but expansion. You can't spell explanation without expansion, <gasps> except for that S. <laughs> hey, I, I think we've caught the download process on tape again. Yes, again. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what's going on. Nice. Yep, yep, yep. Good. Good job. Now, this discrepancy in the ages of the continents and the seafloor makes sense under expansionism. As the Earth expands and cracks, new parts of the crust are revealed. Ooh. Ooh, and I'm wondering how much crust we need to go through before we finally get to that delicious gooey cheese. Oh, mm. yeah. True. Mm. It's in there. Yeah, maybe the Earth is stuffed with gooey cheese and the Pizza Hut stuffed crust pizza is stuffed with just a bunch of crystals. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, which I wouldn't recommend eating. <laughs> I think you'll break a tooth. Yeah, bad for your teeth. Yeah, yeah it's, I was going to say, is it is the Earth you know, pizza, uh, Chicago style pizza, or is it New York style pizza? That's the, is it, is it flat and stretched or yeah, is I it think, gooey? I think this has to be the, the uh, yeah, uh, Chicago. Yeah. This is the deep dish model. Definitely. definitely. Okay. So the plate tectonic theory also explained the discrepancy, but was felt to have even more bizarre consequences. While it explained why the seafloor was so young, it required a huge amount of water disappearing from the planet as it was sucked into the earth. Although, as we'll learn, expansionism got an assist from the patriarchy, plate tectonics won the day due to cartography. Um, I'm ex excuse me, Dylan, did I hear this word patriarchy? <laughs> yep. I'm afraid we're going to have to move you down a peg in the Freemason system. Oh, so man. You, I, you, we caught you. I totally forgot about that. Hot in the act. Yep. Oh, yeah. God. I got comfortable. I got comfortable. Yep. All right. Now we got to go to the maps. Maps. Yep. Maps. In the late 1950s, oceanic cartographer Marie Tharp and geophysicist Bruce Heezen 
published the first detailed map of the ocean floor. And by the way, this map is incredible. It's hand-drawn by Tharp, and we'll put it on our Instagram as soon as we can. Tharp hand-drew the map on the basis of research he's then collected. Tharp wasn't allowed to collect data because women weren't allowed on research ships at the time. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't an SJW podcast, Dylan. Please, let's keep men's rights in mind at all times. Yeah, Mike, so do that. Yeah. my goal is to make Expanding Earth <clears throat> an MRA IDW talking point. <laughs> Most striking about the map is the presence of oceanic mountains, in particular the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, which stretches from Greenland to the southern tip of South America, smack dab in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. A peculiar feature of the Mid-Atlantic Ridge is a valley running through the middle of it, with large peaks on either side. So if it was a cake, and you cut a slice of it, it would look like the letter M for mountain. Unless that M is drawn in chalk on Peter Lorre, in which case it would stand for murderer. Mm. And that reference is for all the children in our listenership that love German expressionist movies. If you oh, get yeah, that reference, yep. send us an email at nundarecalledordinary at gmail.com. <laughs> we'll give you a shout out on the show. Maybe we can get Criterion Channel to, to uh, be one of our sponsors. That would be perfect. My goal is for our two sponsors to be like an electronic cigarette company and the Oxford University Press. I think that would make me happy. <laughs> we got both of those. That's basically the only things I need. Anyway, Tharp concluded that this was evidence of continental drift and the theory of plate tectonics. This valley would be the spot where the tectonic plates met. He's in himself initially dismissed Tharp's claims as, quote, girl talk. Wow. I really hope Tharp named her first scientific journal entry on this girl talk just to rub that shit in their face. That would be good. <laughs> yeah. The girl talk theory of plate tectonics. <laughs> But eventually, Heezen was convinced that he was not only a sexist and an idiot, but a sexist idiot and agreed <laughs> with Tharp. They published their results, leading to the eventual consensus on plate tectonics. Well, if an idiot like Heezen can have a hand in creating a new scientific uh, scientific consensus, then Zaws has a chance. He's nice. got well, he had a chance because he is dead. Oh, he is dead. So no more. No oh, more. Had a chance. Past tense. Yeah, so we're going to go off to a little bit more uh, seafloor shenanigans and the death, <laughs> question mark, of the expanding Earth. <laughs> please, 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 please. I love please, a mystery. Please, please. The biggest problem was an explanation of how new seafloor is created on the basis of Tharp and Heason's discovery. As tectonic plates shift in the oceanic ridges, the crust cracks and allows magma to bubble up to the surface. That is the gooey cheese model. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's the magmas, the gooey cheese stuffed into the crust. Yes. Delicious, delicious. And bubble up to the surface. That's when you see the bubbles on your crust. You know? <laughs> yep, That's, yep. Yeah, there it is. It's all fitting. Download process is happening for me now. I think all three of us got it. This is tight. I'm getting hungry, actually. So the download process, also known as free association. Anyway. <laughs> as it hits cold seawater, it cools and adds to the seafloor. Eventually, this pushes the oceanic mountain peaks further apart until they are added to the continental coastline. Through this process, the seafloor is completely recycled roughly every 200 million years, which explains why the seafloor is so young compared to the continents. Or it could just be that in a post hoc way, we're trying to fit all this contradictory evidence to preconceived notions of an old earth oh. as pushed by the Totally non-Jewish, Israeli, Babylonian, British, subhuman, oligarchic elite. <laughs> yeah, that's probably more likely. That's yeah, probably I think that's more likely, likely personally. Yeah. So through this process, an amount of water the size of the Pacific Ocean has been 
subducted into the earth. In quotes. Mm, Yeah. And not everyone is happy with this. Geologists continued to promote expansionism into the 70s and 80s. Carey himself was fond of exclaiming, subduction is a myth. (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. That is annoying. You know, actually, expanding Earth does explain one thing. It explains global warming. The Earth is getting hotter. That's because the Earth is expanding and getting closer to the sun. So, oh, that's true. Yeah, so why don't you just use it, Brent? Too, right? Just use that. I know. It fits with your ideology, so just roll with it. That's right. <laughs> I'm going to. It's all about winning for your ideology, and that's it. <laughs> if, if this filter fits your other filters, you know, just put it on. <laughs> but the expanding Earth would not die. Oh. Damn it. And there is one man who has kept it alive past the <laughs> 80s, and that man is Neil Adams. Carrie's legacy didn't die in the 80s. Today, his torch is carried by the world-famous comic book artist, Neil Adams. So I know virtually nothing about comic books, so I decided to go for the experts. We're all about the expert consensus here on Nundare Call It Ordinary. <laughs> so I consulted my brother, Jason, nice. who nice. knows a ton about comic books, And he had this to say, quote, I'm not really a big DC Comics fan, but he was, in my opinion, the best Batman artist of all time. He worked for Marvel also. What I respect about him the most was the fact that he was the main fighter for getting the creators of Superman a pension and creative rights recognition. These creators being Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. That's nice. That's good, at least. Yeah. Yeah, So definitely really important figure in comic books and seemingly a, a moral guy. He's fighting for people's welfare. And he was inducted into the Eisner Awards Will Eisner Comic Book Hall of Fame in 1998, the Harvey Awards Jack Kirby Hall of Fame in 1999, and the Inkwell Awards Joe Sinnott Hall of Fame in 2019. So, yeah, we still alive, still active. Nice. And super fun fact, one of the last comics he drew was Superman versus Muhammad Ali. In 1978. <laughs> oh, shit. Who won that, I wonder? In 1978. Jesus. Oh. Well, I know I know this because Muhammad Ali stings like a bee, and the bee stinger he used was filled with kryptonite. So oh, therefore, uh, little known in so, fact, Muhammad Ali won that match. Right? I know wow. it's, hard to th- it's hard to believe, given that Superman can do anything ever and is invincible, but yep. he was defeated. There you go. Interesting, interesting. I wonder, I mean, because so uh, Muhammad Ali was a part of the Nation of Islam, but Superman being an alien wasn't one of the white devils created by Yakub. So I wonder why they had to fight at all. That's true. Yeah, that, that makes a sense. great point. That is something that yep. gotten we should mull over yeah. forever. Really? Yeah, we should <laughs> write volumes and volumes about that. But that is for a later date. So that's what Adams was doing in 1978. But earlier in the 70s, before Adams visualized what a battle between a heavyweight boxer and an all-American alien would look like, he cultivated an interest in geology. What a dilettante. Exactly. Like Wegener decades before him, Adams was also fascinated by the Pangea theory. However, he had a slightly different evaluation of it. In short, he didn't buy it. Quote, put yourself in my place. You listen to this and as an artist, you try to visualize it. And it occurs to you that this is totally wrong. Now, now, now. I'm trying to put myself in his place, but I just can't visualize it. So maybe he's totally wrong. No, wait, actually, this calls for a more skilled artist for me to visualize this. Quick, get me Betty Luca. If you guys can, if you guys can call oh, her up. Yeah, we need the perfect artist. <laughs> I believe perfect, perfect was the word Paul Potter used to describe her work. Oh, my God. I mean, she, her drawings alone were enough to deduce the inner workings of the <laughs> UFO spacecraft. That's all we needed. 
That's all we needed. And look, you know, Brent might be a scientist, Dylan might be a philosopher, <laughs> but you know, artists like me, we are the arbiters of truth via the visualization filter. For example, if I can't visualize it, it doesn't exist. Take dark matter and dark energy. I cannot visualize these things. Therefore, modern physicists are wrong. You guys should become artists. It's much easier this way. Mm, maybe, but it's harder to get a dissertation done when you're an artist. We don't do that. We just spend three years making stop motion. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, after you did that, you became an artist with a capital A. So you are set, sir. Yeah. Problem is what matters isn't my filter, but my dissertation committee's <laughs> filters. I need to change their filters first. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to do it. Adams also saw evidence that the moon was growing too. more moon stuff. The geological features called mares are, according to Adams, the stretch marks of the moon. <laughs> Adams has had a lot of rhetorical success due to the moon. Quote, everyone I've ever showed this to has said, how could it be any other way? <laughs> and I'm sure all those people he showed it to are scientists trained in the field of it. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Neil's sample size, his mom and pet parakeet. That's it. N equals also, two. Also, like if, if the moon is expanding well, and the earth is expanding and everything, would they like bump into each other at some point in the future? No. No. Okay. So that's just making sure. Well, the, mo the moon, right, is slowly moving away from the oh. earth. And maybe Ow. it's just enough to keep up with the expansion change. Yeah, we should look up maybe. that and see if they figure that out. These are, again, real scientific facts yep. that they're coming onto the podcast here. Now, Adams didn't just rely on his imagination. He had some rock solid arguments to back up his skepticism. Uh, did you mean that to be a joke? You said rock solid. Yes, I okay. did mean it yeah. to be a joke, but no okay. one laughed. No <laughs> one laughed, so maybe no. No, absolutely so no. not. I didn't mean it. No, as a that's joke. not a joke. Okay. So, what are some of Adams' arguments? The first problem was that the Pangaea model had a supercontinent on one side of the Earth and a giant ocean on the other. Now, well, what's wrong with this? Yeah. According to Adams, quote, the Earth is spinning. When you spin something, everything on it evens out. <laughs> so what we have here is what I call the salad spinner theory of continental drift. <laughs> Think about it. When you spin a salad, it doesn't all clump up against one side now, does it? Exactly. Why would the earth act any differently? Exactly right. The second problem is that while everyone accepted that the Atlantic edges of the continents fit together, so Africa into South America, Europe into North America, etc., Adams also thought that the Pacific edges of the continents fit together, too. And here's a quote from a fantastic Wired article about Neil Adams. It's called Master of the Universe, and I'll put it on our website and I'll tweet it out as well. Quote, the Pangaea theory couldn't account for this fact, and no one dared acknowledge it, Adams reasoned, because it would be impossible for the continents to be joined along both the Atlantic and Pacific seams at once, unless... dot, dot, dot. And it was this unless dot, 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 that really got the salad spinner in Adam's mind spinning his ideas uniformly across his skull's <laughs> inner surface. Like the great expansionist geologists who preceded them, Adams had no choice but to play around with models to prove to himself he was right. Like supermodels? No. No, no, certainly not, Brent. No uh -oh. supermodels are going to hang out with a comic book slash geology nerd. Mm, I, that much I can tell you. I think... <laughs> On the one hand, that is a gross generalization. But on the other hand, you're probably right. Because I think, <laughs> but honestly, I think it's because most people don't want to hang out with a comic book artist slash geology nerd. So oh, by yeah. default, that means most supermodels don't either. Sure. Instead of working with wood and paper mache like his predecessors, 
atoms trace the continents on paper and then pasted them onto basketballs. Wow. So I okay. smell an endorsement deal from the NBA, right? All right, talking sports here. You know, actually, and I, I actually would have went with a football, personally. Mm. The Earth is obviously a prolate spheroid shape, and mm. Tom Brady is God, obviously, which would make sense why the Earth is contracting since he is the master deflator. <laughs> oh. Believe it or not, I got that joke. Can you believe it? I'm proud of myself. Good. Excellent. <laughs> Your dad will be truly proud. Yes. And, you know, by the way, Tom Brady was the main perpetrator of football Deflategate, and nope. Neil Adams is the main perpetrator of Brain Deflategate. Oh, that's a... <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's a... Distinction. That's yeah. true. Got to pump it up. <laughs> that's right. Lo and behold, when Neil Adams pasted his paper continents onto the basketball earth, all of the continents fit together, <laughs> but not as on a standard wow. Pangea model. Ooh. Instead, like the expansionists of yesteryear, it turns out that they all fit together and cover the entire planet like a shell. But atoms went even farther. The Earth was not 60% its current size 200 million years ago, but was only 33% its current size. Oh, shit. Okay. Adams predicted, based on his paper and basketball model, that in another 200 million years, the Earth will be the size Neptune is now. And for some reference, Neptune is 3.9 times the size of the Earth. And one thing that Adams doesn't talk about, but I think is really important, is that this is going to cause havoc to the airline industry. <laughs> so right now, the longest nonstop flight is between Newark, New Jersey and Singapore, which is 19 hours. Jesus. So 200 million years from now, you're going to have to spend three whole days on an airplane <laughs> if you want to hang out with New Jersey and go hang out with Chris Christie. Maybe that's that's why we. How need are to you going to be able to do that? Yeah, get it, get on that UFO building. That's how, you, that's how you solve that. Yeah, we need. That's why we need Paul Potter's brilliance to get around the expanding Earth and how big it's going to get. <laughs> now, like all good expansionists, Adams has to confront the age-old problem. Where is all this extra matter coming from? How are we going to deal with physics contradicting the expanding Earth? Oh, no. Like all totally humble non-experts, <laughs> Adams dived headfirst into physics textbooks to learn about the atomic structure of matter. It was during these studies that the truly remarkable breakthrough, quote unquote, occurred. Quoting again from the Wired article, quote, Along the way, he decided that the universe contains a fundamental building block that scientists haven't yet discovered an electromagnetically balanced neutral particle that he calls prime matter, which makes up 90% or more of our cosmos. That's right. When considering changes to fundamental particle physics that will completely reshape our knowledge of the cosmos, Adam's approach is to simply decide nice. that it is true. I love it. Yes, Adam spoke and it was true. That is all the science I need. Exactly. Yep. So we already know that Neil Adams decided that prime matter exists. What properties did Adams decide prime matter had? Ooh. Also, I have to ask, does this relate to Breatherian Wiley Brooks in any way? Is this some 5D prime earth building block that we're uh, discovering? That might be how we get to... So the expanding earth is going to expand into oh, the 5D that makes prime earth, maybe. So not only is it expanding in 3D, but it's expanding into the fourth and fifth dimensions as well, perhaps. Nice. But this is all speculation on my part. I just want to admit that, well, you know, I don't just decide it, Dylan, and it shall be so. Decide it and it shall be so. Well, I'm not I don't feel I have the Neil Adams decider power. I feel you have an artist. I feel I have to be a well-known comic book artist before I can decide such things. Yeah. Prime matter, it turns out, controls the speed of light, 
That means that the speed of light is not constant, as Einstein proposed. Yeah, so that is right. We're not just denying Newton's law of universal gravitation, but E equals MC squared 2. Fuck yeah, that is so punk rock. Just deny that. It is, it is. Just throw it all away. <laughs> Adams describes prime matter as matter in waiting. Or matter in the shadows. Dark matter, if you will. Oh, Ooh, sorry, that's taken. Uh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. As explained in the Wired article, quote, given billions of years and the right conditions, like those at the center of the Earth and on the sun, it will evolve into the various elements of the periodic table. It's kind of like a matter embryo. Just as an embryo can develop into a male or female but starts as neither, prime matter can develop into gold, iron, mercury, or whatever under the right conditions. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pro-life when it comes to the issue of prime <laughs> matter abortion. Yeah, <laughs> prime matter is still matter. Yeah. yeah, the way I see it, if you abort prime matter, then you're just not going to have anything. So you got to just... Right. You know. And those people that do that should be sent to jail and executed. That too. Yeah. Too far. In short... The conditions are ripe inside Earth for prime matter to develop into actual matter, and this is why the Earth is getting bigger. It makes so <laughs> much sense. Adams thinks prime matter has already been discovered, but those silly physicists have been giving it the wrong name. What fucking idiots. I know. Even a filthy, disgusting stamp collector wouldn't make that mistake. Not even them. <laughs> Adams cites the experiments of Nobel Prize winner Carl David Anderson, who discovered the positron, the positively charged cousin of the electron. The positron seemed to have been created out of nothing. Positrons are now considered antimatter, the opposites of matter that seek out their partner and destroy each other. At least that's what the physicists think is going on. Thankfully, Adams is here to correct the record. Quote, they call it antimatter because they say it destroys matter, but that's not what it is. They give it a label that fits in with the description really well, but that's not has nothing to do with it. So. No, nothing at all. <laughs> So the, the author of the Wired article, Jeffrey M. O'Brien, he was starting to get confused about these matters. And Adams could tell during the interview that he was starting to drag. And so I imagine our listeners at this point might be getting a little tired of this Adams stuff. But all we can do is give you the same advice that Adams gave O'Brien at this point. Quote, stay with me because I'm about 10 minutes away from really fucking up your brain. <laughs> and I got to say, listening to this guy will fuck up your brain. So yes, yeah, it's just guaranteed to happen. The brain fucking commences with a series of rhetorical questions. Quote, what if the positron isn't antimatter at all? What if it destroys itself in scientific experiments only because it's close to an electron? What if the positron couldn't find an electron? What would it do? Adams holds that a positron attracts. If there are no electrons nearby, it will seek out something else. But what? The answer Adams provides is almost certainly true. Yeah, yeah. It's, he had me at what if, but then lost me around the rest of what the, he says, the words he says after that. Well, I had you at what if, that's all that matters. It's at this point that Neil Adams gives us what I call the birds and the bees of physics. This is what's going on. When the positron is not near any electrons to collide with in a fit of murder-suicide, it seeks out something else. Amazon prime matter. No, oh, no, 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 no. It's Adam's prime matter. Adam's is prime right. matter, exactly. It's, okay, Adam's, okay. Instead of destroying each other, the positron and prime matter combine to form, quote, neutron material. The prime matter wraps around the positron until it forms something 1,998 times larger than the positron alone. 
Oh, uh, guys, I think at this point my brain is officially fucked. I'm not sure how much more violation. <laughs> it can take brain, more. Can take Calm more. down. <laughs> Hasn't been salad. 10 minutes. And my brain is just now, beyond you might, fucked. That number might sound familiar 1,998. It turns out that protons are 1,998 times larger than positrons. Coincidence? Hmm. Of course not. Protons just are positrons wrapped in a prime matter blanket. <laughs> and I got to say, if you plan on opening a sci-fi themed diner, positrons in a blanket sound delicious. Mm. Oh, you know, thank you. But I am on a diet. Oh, I'll just take a positron wrap. I'll take a positron wrap instead. Please. Okay, we can do that. We can I am feeling like having a small cocktail with my meal. Can I also get a gym and tectonic, please? <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. All right, Brent, I'll give you that one. That was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that Thanks. was pretty good. I like, I Is like that original? Did you write, write that? that joke. You've redeemed yourself. <laughs> I did, actually. Damn, that I'm is sure great. It's, been, it's out there somewhere. I love it. You got to get that copyrighted. I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone now. It belongs to the world. Oh. Now. <laughs> now that the Positron is cozy in its prime matter blanket, it won't destroy any electrons it comes into contact with. But because the positron core is positively charged, the whole package still attracts electrons. Instead of colliding and destroying each other, the electron orbits the proton instead, and that is how matter is born. So, I'm sorry kids, there ain't no physics stork in this story. <laughs> okay, so we heard the Adams theory. There's a lot there, there's a lot to chew on. But what do these dumbass scientists think about his work? So all of this work was presented in his graphic novel, A Conversation Between Two Guys in a Bar or A New Model of the Universe, called Two Guys for short. And sadly, not only can I not find this book anywhere, I can barely find evidence that it ever existed. So I don't know <laughs> what's going on. The Wired article came out about 15, 20 years ago. And I just, I can't find any used copies of this. I don't know what happened. I mean, the fact that it's in graphic novel form already makes it true. So that's just, let's just be honest. That's true. By the way, guys, um, I think this might be part of the Mandela effect. And the simulation has pruned the book from our reality. Oh. Much like Jonathan Kahn's Pinto train collision. Oh, Same that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. So O'Brien showed the book to various scientists who had various things to say about it. <laughs> First, he showed it to James Maxlow who was a disciple of Carey and a PhD candidate at Western Australia's Curtin University. Actually, that is Dr. James Maxwell because he did successfully get his PhD. So good okay. for Dr. Maxlow. Right. Okay. Well, you know, we are at peak elitist talk right now, Dylan. So let's, let's try not to get too, too um, snubbish, if you will. No, no, I'm going to be peak elitist <laughs> right now. I think it's great. It's hard work <laughs> and he deserves praise. True. That is true. But just for that, because it's about to get worse from here. <laughs> It turns out that because of Carrie's influence, and Carrie was the subduction is just a myth guy, there is still a small minority of expansionist geologists in Australia. That's Ooh. where their last enclave is. The expanding land down under. The expanding land down under. When O'Brien showed Max Lau two guys, the book, he thought that Adams' popularity as a comic book artist could help spread the expansionist message, or as he prefers to call it, growth. Well, it's a lot like the Lyndon LaRouge thing of uh, the scientists using a cult to spread their message. Yeah. And I think same, same thing. Like, hey, let's use a comic book artist to spread our message. Exactly. Also, exactly. reading that sentence differently, Maxlow was excited by two guys. 
that's out of context. I would not. You really need to know. <laughs> yeah. Really need to know this. This is yeah, slander. The book, too, guys. Yes, the book, the graphic novel. Yeah. But Maxlow was still skeptical that expansionism would get much play in contemporary academia. Quote, a lot of funding for research is going into plate tectonics, so scientists are reluctant to have me stir the pot. <laughs> and these plate heads are dumb enough to think that when you stir the pot, all the stew is going to stick to one side of that pot. Can you fucking believe it? Plus, that's not the right phrase. The right phrase is spin the salad, sir. Come on. Dylan yeah, taught us I, that I tried to work with him to get the, anal the uh, analogy going, but, you know. Yeah. And so just as Brent is Isn't going to copy... Isn't a Ninja Turtle? Isn't Platehead a Ninja Turtle villain? I think so. No, cool. no, no, no. Plateheads are these dumbasses who think about the tectonic plates all the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> God. Never mind. Geologists in a half shell. <laughs> Geology power. <sighs> anyway. O'Brien also showed Adams's book to UC Berkeley geophysics professor Mark Bukowski, who had a much shorter and much less impressed reaction to two guys. Quote, we do all kinds of measurements. The earth is not growing. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a two sentence takedown. So better than the one sentence yeah. takedown of Zaz, which was roughly psychiatric consensus has nothing to do with the strong medical model. <laughs> <laughs> this is a two sentence takedown. Uh, yeah. So. A little better. That's, we uh, did it more efficiently, I think, though. So I think ours is better because we did it more efficiently. Yeah, so I'm saying one. Isn't there like an app or whatever on David Pakman? He, he, it's called Blinkist. It's like where they shorten down books. Like our podcast would just be like four sentences long if we just did that. <laughs> just shorten short everything down to one sentence. Today we're going to talk about Eric Van Daniken's <laughs> Chariots of the Gods. Here's the review. This book is bullshit. <laughs> Moving on. Eric Van Daniken admits to fabricating this whole section. We're done. <laughs> Lastly, O'Brien showed Adams's work to University of Oregon physics professor Stephen Sue. Despite being a fan of Adams's comics, he was not a fan of the book Two Guys. Though he was a fan of Five Guys. They have some pretty tasty french fries. Mm, so. I have heard that. I have heard that. Sue said about Adams's work, quote, I admire Adams's enthusiasm but there's a reason why physics is a professional subject. Ah, uh, what a snob. Man, yep, somewhere, yep. somewhere, Rick Santorum is crying. Where is Rick Santorum? Where, I don't know where he is. Uh, he's probably on CNN somewhere. Uh. <laughs> but Sue didn't just comment on Adams' work. He got a special opportunity, a chance to debate the man himself in a two-hour discussion. And so now we get to talk <laughs> about the debate yes. between a professional physicist and comic book artist Neil Adams <laughs> on the expanding Earth. I don't think this is this is not a fair fight. This is not a fair fight. This would be like if Neil Adams was like, "We're going to draw pictures of Superman and Batman," and I'm having this physicist come on. And we're going to see we're going to see who draws the better picture. It's like Superman versus Muhammad Ali. I mean, come on, Superman's going to win that. Let's just be yeah, honest. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like that. So the debate started friendly enough. Adams claims that the then recent discovery of dark matter was evidence that he was right. Oh, Sue being a everything else is stamp collecting physicist had no problem dunking on geologists quote to us hardcore scientists. It seems like they just make up stories. <laughs> so I guess Brent isn't a hardcore scientist. No. Well, actually he is just in the sense that he is a scientist who also was in a hardcore band. Oh, oh. right. Also in the sense that I do accept that the Earth's core is solid, so that would make me a hardcore scientist as well. <laughs> oh, 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 the geology jokes just keep just, just coming. Keep coming. 
So when Sue dunked on the geologist, this gave Adams the opportunity to also mount his own criticism of the geological consensus, quote, anyone who raises their head above the morass will have to say that the earth grew. Yeah. Like, stick your head out of the swamp, bitch. Do not get swamped in falsehoods. Yeah, and I also wonder, with all these metaphor, when he's dunking, is he dunking on the on him with the ball that they use for showing the expanding <laughs> Earth is using? I mean, you got to use it at some point. His model, yeah, yeah that's what he's, he's dunking on yeah. the geologist with his basketball yeah. Earth. But even the clearly competent Neil Adams is eventually stumped by Sue. Sue mentions that, quote, when an electron and a positron emerge from a cosmic ray... All the energy they produce is accounted for in the byproduct, gamma radiation. Adams is stunned by this claim. On his theory, there has to be, quote, an extra bit of energy that incites the prime matter to matter evolution process. I never heard that before, Adams says. I don't have an explanation for that. <gasps> so, oh my God. <laughs> this might be the first time in none dare call it ordinary history where someone admits that they were less than certain about their theory. Whoa. So <laughs> bravo. I mean, <laughs> damn, give him an award. He's a man among men. Just, it's a low bar, yeah. but he passed it. So <laughs> we just, we have to, we have to shout him out for that. Yeah. Give, give him the John Bolton award just for that. <laughs> just give it to him. We're done. No, 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 no. <laughs> I want to get that. Thank you very much. I will get it. O'Brien himself is surprised by this, namely surprised that Adams actually cares, uh, <laughs> especially given Adams's less than stellar views about geological orthodoxy. Quote, he claims the scientific community speaks a language of exclusion in order to lock out the layperson and that it discourages alternative thought with ridicule. He doesn't consider these actions intentionally malicious. He realizes that it's easier to go along with the status quo. People tend not to want to question dogma, he says, but I'm afraid of dogma. I like this. It's almost the full on paranoid conspiracy thing, but it's like just, you know, tamper down a bit. Just, yeah, it's just lazy. There's a conspiracy. It's just not intentionally malicious. So. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe Adams is able to turn this onto himself. Maybe Adams is able to question his own dogma. Well, based on what he's up to nowadays, maybe not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Superman and Batman need your help, sir. You need to spread the good news of super superheroism. Not enough people know about them. No one knows anything about superheroes these days. So please focus in on these imaginary I know, ideas. I think he, sh he should spend all his time <laughs> with big superhero right. industry because obviously we don't have enough of that. Yeah, just we like more, we don't have enough of the yeah, Golden Knights. Exactly. Yeah, we need more. Way more. <laughs> Get them in the movies. Come on, people. Okay, so Neil Adams today and beyond because I'm Ooh. assuming he's never going to stop. Uh, <laughs> no. no. So if you go to Neil Adams' website, call, it's neiladams.com, you can watch some wonderful, quote, science videos he has there. He shows us a graphic of the Earth spinning in one of the videos and shrinking to show that the continents fit perfectly if the Earth was smaller. He says, quote, please notice there is no subduction, no rotation of tectonic plates, no twisting, no form fitting, no altering shapes or sizes. It would be impossible, impossible, for these continental plates to fit together perfectly without this being true. And yet, the upper tectonic plates fit together perfectly on a much smaller planet. Yes, there's been some erosion, landslides, blah, blah. <laughs> but overall, this activity is insignificant. There is a kind of conspiracy of silence among certain scientists. They know, but are not telling you, that the upper tectonic plates of Earth also join in the Pacific. Not partially, they join totally. You are asked to believe 
that the continents swim or drift apart, drift about willy-nilly, bumping <laughs> and crashing as if they were on a grease skillet. <laughs> this is not true. <laughs> the simple truth is apparently too upsetting to too many apple carts. So, oh, those poor apple quote. carts getting triggered. <laughs> Man, know. there's multiple apple carts too. Jesus. I <laughs> I'm also noticing a trend here. Um, you know, Paul Potter, Thomas Zaz, Lyndon LaRouge, L. Ron Hubbard, Neil Adams. Either they're the victims of a conspiracy or they're just wrong, mm. which could be. Yep. I'm going to go with the former. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. So in this <laughs> so in this series of videos on Adam's website, he uses all these images from NASA to explain how not only the Earth, but the moon and even Mars have expanded over time. Of course, while at the same time ignoring NASA's actual evidence and data of non-expanding Earth we mentioned earlier. So he uses their images, but not their data. It just you know, makes sense. It's all data, Brent. The data they want to ignore. Yeah. The gist of every video, whether it's the Earth, Mars, Moon, Europa, etc., is basically Adams shows some NASA images, then shows us cracks and rifts on the planet or a moon surface, and then slowly condenses the planet to show how all the contours and rifts fit together perfectly. One of those videos you showed, Brent, didn't he say something like, oh, here's Europa, and people say it's covered in ice, but it don't look like ice to me. And he's just like looking at the. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> it's, like, it's very professional. So, yeah. It doesn't, um, yeah. Yeah. Just looking at an it's image blah, blah, blah. and saying, it doesn't look like ice to me. Done. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and also, by the way, these videos, we will. I'll also tweet out these videos so you can all see with your own eyeballs, your expanding eyeballs. I hope not. That <laughs> everything that I'm saying is true. Yeah, if you have expanding eyeballs, get your eye uh, pressure checked. Go to the yeah, doctor. Immediately. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why, but for some reason I was wondering if, you know, the band Tool, they had some wacky beliefs about some things I know and some of their lyrics. I wonder if they're Earth expansionists. I have to wonder because that, that, that one song was, I know the pieces fit because I watched them fall well, away. Well, Tool, they're artists, so, so they're, they, they should be right about everything. Big. So I think that's. Yeah, oh, that's, that's true. true. Yeah, that's a good point. They've got the artist filter that. on. That's right. So anyways, Neil says that the computer-generated animations he shows you are working off a, quote, strict set of rules. These rules are never actually revealed, so, oh well. He also makes a lot of jokes about how dumb subduction is, which really gets my blood boiling, I'm not going to lie, because I am obsessed with abduction. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but I do like abduction. <laughs> <laughs> I have a problem, actually. Um, I thought we I thought we were about to I thought we were about to get into something. We were going to learn something new about Brent. His subduction. Well, reptilian aliens are really into subduction. We should have saw that coming. It's true. Subduction, oh, we know the abduction. aliens are the uh, they call it. Uh, yeah, the subduction, abduction. <laughs> subduction, abduction. Just about to say yeah. that. <laughs> what's your. Uh, yeah. Subduction, abduction. What's <laughs> your function? Creating hybrids of fixes and mobilists. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, all right. Okay. So, in fact, you know, I've had about enough of this shit. I'm not going to lie. As we've mentioned before on this podcast, I do have a Bachelor of Science with a capital S a degree, a Bachelor of Science degree in environmental science. Indeed. So, you know, much of my classes were, were in geology and atoms and carry or whatever. Can They can say whatever they want. They can make fun of geologists as a whole. That's fine. Whatever. I have some good friends that are geologists. They're nice people. But okay, I'll just let that slide. You can laugh at all the actual evidence for plate tectonics, but the one thing you cannot do is you cannot trash subduction. God damn it. I have to put my foot down. Exactly. So. Yeah. Uh, Good. You know, Good. I just wait do you it. You know what, though? Yeah. Brent, yeah. Sorry, but this is a very triggered SJW type rant filled with 
geologist identity <laughs> politics. I'm afraid we're going to have to knock you down yet another peg on the Freemason system, putting you at the lowest oh, rung along with me. I think about I think, bronze. I think Dylan yeah. is now on the second oh, rung. Man, bronze soul. So he's yeah, one, I was third. Now oh, okay. I'm second. One more SJW rant from Dylan, and he's done. He's we're all equal okay. yeah. But so, but Forrest, Forrest, I'm going to have to turn this around on you. Oh boy, because you're using. Some Freemason identity politics here. And <laughs> oh, so I no. think you're also gonna have to go down a rung, but then I'm gonna have to go down a rung forever and ever. <laughs> no. That's, uh, that's the rungs all Identity the way politics all yep. the way down. <laughs> Very sad. So we'll end this episode by explaining exactly once and for all what subduction is, which will inevitably destroy all expanding earth nonsense still permeating out there. Obviously. Subduction is not a myth, it is real. But okay, so what is it and how does it work? This is from that same old Geology 101 textbook we used earlier. That oh, I, please. That I had in college, my first a geology year. textbook? Oh. We've got paper mache <laughs> and basketballs. Don't yeah, give me that that's, shit. That's, where the, that's the real textbook, yeah. the textbook of life. Well, what you guys don't know is I took out pieces from, I cut out pieces from my textbook and I put it onto a basketball. Oh. So this is going to be just as good. <laughs> I'm sorry to doubt you. You were thinking ahead. Brent's the chess player of the podcast. <laughs> no, let me, let me get that out. Yeah. So here's the quote. Quote, subduction occurs for a simple reason. Oceanic lithosphere, once it has aged at least 10 million years, is denser than asthenosphere and thus can sink through the asthenosphere. When it lies flat on the surface of the asthenosphere, the oceanic lithosphere doesn't sink because the resistance of the asthenosphere to flow is too great. However, once the end of the convergent plate bends down and slips into the mantle, it begins to sink like an anchor falling to the bottom of a lake. So Brent is an artist. I tried to visualize that and I got nothing. Yeah. And so therefore, okay. something's wrong. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, I'm a, try to as a philosopher, going. I'm trying to do a conceptual <laughs> analysis here, but I just uh, I don't know any of these words, so I can't. And so therefore, it must all be garbage. <laughs> okay. So the oceanic plate, as it sinks, will gradually pull the rest of the plate along behind it. And this is called slab pull force. As the lithosphere Ooh. sphinx. That sounds like something you get at like a barbecue restaurant. I need <laughs> some slab pulled pork oh. sandwich, please. Oh, man. I thought it was like what you get after you eat a, like a rack of ribs. Or something. Oh, I got the slab pull force, man. I can't get up. <laughs> so... <laughs> As the lithosphere sinks, asthenosphere flows out of its way, just as water flows out of the way of the anchor. Even though, as it is relatively soft and plastic, the asthenosphere resists flow. So oceanic lithosphere can sink only very slowly at a rate of less than about 15 centimeters per year. The downgoing plate, the plate that has been subducted, must be composed of oceanic lithosphere. The overriding plate, which does not sink, can consist of either oceanic or continental lithosphere. So the continental crust cannot be subducted because it is too buoyant. So basically we wouldn't have volcanic arcs if there was no such thing as subduction. We wouldn't have earthquakes. And by the way, I, Dylan, tell me if you would agree with this, but I always prefer the analytic lithosphere to the continental lithosphere. That's just Yeah, that's just yeah, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to say that the continental lithosphere it's all fancy and existential and they might be better at parties, but you know, we're actually the analytic lithosphere is what's getting the work done. <laughs> yes. I don't know what's happening right now. We wouldn't have well, that's because you're not a philosopher <laughs> or an artist that knows a little bit about philosophy. I'm not even a lowercase p philosophy yet. It sucks. 
So we wouldn't have earthquakes if it wasn't for plate boundary interaction. We wouldn't have certain mountain range uplift if it wasn't for two colliding continents. We wouldn't have continental rifting in Africa if it weren't for plate movement. We also wouldn't have hotspot volcanoes like in Hawaii if it weren't for the tectonic movement over mantle plumes. So, you know, and if people like Neil Adams can call us things like plateheads, they can do that all they want. But I, for one, consider that a badge of honor. I am a proud platehead. You should be too. T-shirts coming soon. Okay. Well, <laughs> guess. And with <laughs> guess that, that, with Brent's proud de declaration of himself as a platehead, we are done with our episode on the expanding earth. So, Forrest, Brent, what did you learn in today's episode? What most inspired you? Uh, if I learned something, it's that if you are an artist and you want to, again, overturn a scientific consensus, it takes more than basketballs, paper, and a quick read through <laughs> a physics textbook. I think that's what I learned. That's true. I think that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah, I had fun revisiting some you know basic geology stuff that I've long forgotten. Also, uh, I, I, I wasn't aware, too, that it wasn't just the Earth that expanding that expanded. It's Mars, Moon. Um, I don't, we still don't know who put it there, but the Moon, Jupiter's other moons and all this stuff. I think he even says like Ganymede and it's not just Europa. There's other moons that yeah. are expanding. And the sun, too. I think he's saying yeah. the sun is expanding as well. Right. Well, the sun will expand when it becomes a red giant. So he's right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I really was interested. I think what was most fun to me, I mean, Neil, that Neil Adams Wired article, again, we'll uh, we'll tweet that out, was super fascinating. It was really well written, uh, really got into Neil Adams, who was fascinating. And also, I, I want to, again, reiterate, he's got some silly beliefs about the Earth, but he does seem to be an upstanding guy. You know, he really worked to help get those Superman creators their pensions. He seems to have been a well-known comic book artist and and really strong in that realm. So I don't want to take away from that. Oh, and the, the fact that he's even willing to at least think possibly his ideas are flawed is another. Yeah, right. it's pretty yeah. amazing. And, uh, and not only that, but uh, compared to most of the other guys we've covered on this, <laughs> on these oh podcasts. Yeah. yeah, literally he's, so far, that is the only time we've encountered that literally. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I mean, just um, in general, though, compared to most of these dudes, um, it's not he's nowhere near as egregious. Also, no one's getting killed from the expanding Earth. Yes, true hypothesis yet, no yet. one's buying you know snake oil or anything he sold the book at one time but i mean you know he sells a book whatever it appears and apparently doesn't even exist anymore <laughs> but i think what most intrigued me about this episode is looking at the history of geology mm -hmm. and learning that i didn't realize that the theory of plate tectonics was so new mm -hmm. i mean the 60s basically yeah. is when that really started and how this the expanding earth used to be a legitimate scientific theory and how at one point the contracting earth was the dominant scientific theory. So it was, I think learning about that history of the science was what most interested me. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It does. I mean, I get how you can go that route for a minute. Like when you look at the edges of the continents, it's like, okay, like that would come together and meet. So, okay. I mean, except for Antarctica being uh, squished, like you were saying and all that mangled. Oh yeah. Alaska. Like that, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or Alaska. Sorry. Yeah. See, yeah. that shows my dilettante like idiocy right there. Yes. Everybody's Alaska this podcast. Antarctica, the same thing. People like me, Sarah Palin could see it directly in front of her actually at that moment. <laughs> yeah. Cause they would be connected. It would be one thing. <laughs> you could see Antarctica from Alaska from where I'm at. And with a Sarah Palin reference <laughs> that concludes this episode on the expanding earth. 
And so we want to remind everyone, if you could please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are served. And also give us a subscription. You don't even have to listen. Just subscribe, (laughs) download, and delete. We'll never know. Also, you can find us on social media, at NDCIO on Twitter, and at None Dare Call It Ordinary on Instagram. And we mentioned some images and links that we'll post on those social media profiles. So give us a follow to get all that extra information. We also have a website, nondarecallitordinary.com. And you could send us an email if we get something right, if we get something wrong. We're always collecting criticisms for a series called None Dare Call It Wrong, where we correct the record on all that stuff. And you can email us, nondarecallitordinary at gmail.com. And also a reminder, we do now have a Patreon page. You could find that on, we'll put a link up to that on our website, and that'll be nondarecallitordinary slash Patreon. And you can also go to patreon.com slash nondarecallitordinary. And even a dollar would be, we would be incredibly grateful for just a $1 patronage. It's not, you know, less than if you can donate more, you know, there are definite perks. And so we want it to be something that, you feel is valuable to you that we're giving you something for your extra patronage. It's not, it's not, we're not begging you. And so a dollar a month is incredibly amazing to us. And with that, we are. Done. Done.